We do need you, Lord, more now than ever. And we thank you and we bless you for this time in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen. Praise God. Amen. 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 Is she disturbing you? I thought so. Praise God. Amen. Order. Order in the court. Amen. <laughs> praise the righteous judge, Jesus Christ, is here. Amen. Amen. So praise God. So today, um, I'm going to talk to you about uh, getting out of the pig pen. Amen. Getting out of the pig pen. <clears throat> praise God. Amen. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I find that many people live in the barely get by avenue of life and don't really live fully in the privileges that God has ordained for us. And that's no condemnation. That's just uh, your your road on the way to the walk of faith. Well, you have to realize that God has a standard that his children are to live by. And it is a standard of privilege. So we got Christian privilege now, okay? Everybody else talking about their little different, got white privilege, black privilege, gay privilege, you know, all them privileges. But now we have Christian privilege, amen? And that's where you are to live. You're living the realm of Christian privilege. That is not to say that God abandons you if you make up your mind to live elsewhere. but you don't know my situation, but you don't know my God. Amen. And he wants us more than anything to get to know him in the realm where he has ordained for us to abide with him. One thing you must know is that God saved you so that you could have fellowship with him. He saved you for relationship, not just to live from hand to mouth. So what that entails is that you get a little bit closer, uh, you put some things aside, let him know how important he is to you, put him in his right place, and you can enjoy fellowship with God as well as privileges for the things that you need. He's the God of things as well, but he's more the God of life and God of the realm of the spirit. So in Luke chapter 15, I thought I would go there. Uh, we can study this uh, sample about this little little son of this guy that decided one day he wanted to live outside of the realm of relationship with his father. When your children leave home, whether they leave home at your decision, command, or whatever, they are leaving relationship with you as well. If you're a parent. Now you got to understand that, uh, and and God has ordained that families have certain kinds of expectations, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, with one another. But when <clears throat> when children leave the home, they leave the home environment relationship, and that is not to say that they can't have other kinds of relationships with the family. But it's real important for your children to get the proper send-off, if you know what I mean. Uh, we don't we don't part ways because we don't get along anymore. We don't, 
you your children should graduate from your from the father's house to independent living. Now, if they're going to be dependent, they need to come back home. just true. You'll see it from this story. If they cannot graduate, what I mean by that is to live in a higher standard. If not the same standard, if they live in the same standard, they do that for a season, but they must have a vision and a plan toward a higher standard if they don't have that, if they just want to be away They're going to run into some problems. And your prayer needs to be, Father, let them come to themselves and understand who they are. Huh? So that they can live in the privilege of Christianity. Amen. You want them to live in Christian privilege. So Luke chapter 15 and starting in verse uh, 12. Luke, 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 where are you? Eleven, and a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me my stuff. In other words, I know you're going to die one day. No, seriously. And you're going to leave some stuff to me. I want mine now. Huh? Because I've got other plans. In other words, I know I'm entitled to something. So you give me what it is now before the season that I'm supposed to harvest it. If he's been sowing seed for anything. See, the non-seed sowers always want their stuff ahead of time, free. Huh? they just been sitting in the house receiving all these years and all of a sudden he understands oh I got something coming one day well I ain't going to wait for one day I want mine now thieves always operate the same way now he numbered a little thief and a little moocher and he wants to continue to steal and mooch hello I mean this is real life don't y'all bible read like mine I'm reading the King James and I'm getting more out of it than you know what I'm saying? <clears throat> so there he is. Give me my stuff. I ain't going to wait for you to die and leave me nothing. Huh? So the father did divided it up, gave him what he was supposed to, and not many days after. So he probably lied to his daddy to get that. Huh? Why didn't have his, his have his little stuff packed and then come up and ask for it? So he asked for it first to get it from him and then packed his little stuff and run on out. I just need it for a minute now. Uh, you know, I didn't find, I want to invest it in something. It's a, it's a hot cut. They got Bitcoin out, all this kind of stuff. I got, they got a 401k. I know I ain't got no job, but I got me something somewhere. I'm going to take mine now. I'm going to invest it. 
And then three days later, he shows up with a little stuff pack. Huh? <laughs> all his pretty shoes and his matching ties and all the stuff he didn't beg his daddy through tantrum to get his daddy. Huh? So he got all his little designer pieces. Huh? He gathered together all <clears throat> and took his journey to a far country. Huh? Far country. Your children, if they leave, and I'm not just jumping on parents and children, but I'm using this as an example. Because you'll find this example among any family of people. You find it among church people as a family. Huh? Well, you know, I don't like church people. It's still your family if you're born again. And you fit in more than you know. God didn't put you someplace you don't belong. He went to a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, see how fast this story goes? Boom, 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 boom. That's the way the devil does you. He works you, works you, and works you, gets you to do something. And then when he gets you in his clutches, it breaks out real quick. It don't take two days for hell to break out against you once he gets you in his clutches. Pretty soon there was a famine in the land. Ooh, ow. (laughs) And he began to be in want. This was something he had never experienced before. See, when you're in your parents' house, you don't lack anything. Huh? And if you do, it's not your responsibility to make anything happen. They do it all. And so when you're in want, sometimes the first time you experience that is when you get in the wrong place. Sometimes lack can be an indicator to you. You need to pack up your little stuff from where you are and make a beeline back to where you came from. Because you ain't got no business out there. You can't handle it. You ain't never been there before. You don't know what you're doing. Huh? So what he did was he hired himself out. I don't even know if he knew how to do that. In other words, he went and got him a J-O-B, something he never had before. And to a, somebody who was a, a person who lived in that country and he sent him to feed swine, something else he know nothing about. And he was so hungry, he would have tried to eat what the swine were eating, but they wouldn't even let him have that. See, when he's daddy's house, he can eat as much as he wants, throw food away. Because he didn't know how it got in the house, so he didn't, he didn't try to take care of anything. Huh? Give him notice them kids, they don't like nothing you put on their plate. Huh? They're going to get to a place where they're going to be glad to have something nasty on it. I don't like that, mama. That's nasty. You always picking that nasty food. I don't eat that kind of stuff. Yeah, right. You get grateful one day. 
Get out there on your own. You get real grateful. And he said he would have filled his belly with the husks that the swine ate, but nobody gave it to him. So anyway, he was here working for somebody who watched him like a hawk. See, parents, what you fail to do, somebody will do. And daddy should have done that at home. <laughs> Instead of letting him wiggle out of all his chores and stuff. Huh? Out playing and come on over here, boy. You know, you let boy not respond to you so long, he'll realize you don't mean it. But God knows how to let him know he means it, right? So, and when he came to himself, well, who was he before? Uh huh. Well, here's the key to what's going on here. Amen. When he was in his father's house, don't think he just up woke up one day and decided he wanted to be. He'd been working on that some for years, some for months. The devil works on people to disconnect them from God over a long period of time. Huh? He sets you up a little bit here, a little bit there. Well, look at that. Your daddy don't want you. Now see, one of the, one of the issues probably with this young man is that he had an older brother. So the little sibling rivalry thing comes in here. And, you know, the older brother is the one who's really going to be the manager of the whole household. Everything in that household is going to be under the older brother's management. And see, the younger brother probably is not having a good relationship with the older one. Sometimes there's jealousy. Sometimes there's mistrust. Sometimes there's not an, an effort to cultivate a decent relationship. It might be that the father has always spent more time with the older brother because he's going to be responsible for everything. You have to invest that time in, in that property, in that inheritance, so everybody can be blessed. And so here's the younger one sitting watching everything all the time, and the devil starts working Look at that, look at that. Didn't I? He like him better, he like you. Uh-huh. And a poor dad, he don't have enough like to go around for, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Uh, this little youngest kid is, is some work. Huh? And so he's there trying to keep peace in the household and try to preserve an inheritance, not just for him and his sons, but also they've got servants, they've got creditors, they got, uh, if, if they're people of means, they may have people that they supply to in this business, the family business. There's all kinds of responsibility that has to be taken on by the one who manages the inheritance for everybody. So this kid has probably been worked on and worked on and worked on all his life until he just starts to make plans within himself for what he's going to do outside of the management of the household where he has been secure all his years. I'd be glad when I, you ever say that to yourself? That's the devil talking to you. 
Because you can be glad right now. And you need to learn how to get glad in the here and now. Because that's kingdom living. Uh, Excuse me? Is it not righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost? Not in what you have? Not in who's in charge of anything, not in what you see in your job or what you think your future, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit who has all things, knows all things, can do all things, and can help you. You get glad because of who you are and whose you are, not because of what you have. So he's there plotting his getaway. So this decision that he's made to leave is a result of perhaps years of wrong decisions, wrong conclusions, and selfish motives. This is the younger son. Now he has a part of the father's estate, but he doesn't have the ruling portion. See, there's a problem with people who don't want to be under authority. They want to rule before they are ready. They want to receive before they have sown and given. They want to take instead of supply. The older son, think about what the older son said when he, when he, the, the boy came back home. Let me go to that and show it to you. Now his elder son was in the field. Now that gives you a tip off. Huh? Here we have an older son who's the heir of everything out sweating in the hot sun and working. The younger one who wants everything is out laying up with prostitutes and giving his money away because he don't even know how to count. The elder son comes in from the field, and as he drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked him what it meant. He didn't even leave his job, his J-O-B, to go see what was going on. Huh? Why? We don't dance around here every day. We don't party around here every day. We work. Huh? Huh? You only got two jobs, man, you go get your tree job, you lazy thing. It's kind of family. That's the kind of family this was. Amen. And he wondered this unusual noise. It's not a holiday. It's not a holy day. What's the deal going on? He was so committed to his his vision and his position and, and, and his duties, he didn't even leave the field. He sent somebody out to find out what was going on. And, it, and when he asked him, and he said to him, your brother is come home. He said, oh, Lord. <laughs> Say it ain't so, Joe. And your father has killed the fatted calf because he's received him safe and sound. And he was angry, and I don't blame him. And he wouldn't go in. Then his father came out and entreated him. This is When you entreat somebody... 
that means that you respect them as an equal or a higher up. So you see here the gist of the relationship between the elder son and the father and the younger son and the father. The younger son was not on the level as the older one. He didn't have the smarts. He didn't have the ability. He didn't have the training. He didn't have the humility. He didn't have a lot of things that this older son had that qualified him for leadership. So the younger one, instead of staying in the house and learning something, I'd be glad when I'm, when daddy die. I'm going to get, uh, uh, I know what I'm going to get, see. And see, this brother of mine, he think he all cool and everything, always trying to boss me around. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to get my stuff and go now. I'm waiting on him to give me nothing. Who he think he is telling me what to do all the time. Maybe you get told because you don't know. Maybe you get told all the time because you have a lot to learn. And so you see the relationship between the elder son and the father. The father can talk to him where he can't talk to the younger one. The father can reach the older one and he can't reach this younger son. So the father has to lengthen the rope that this younger one is tethered to and just trust that he still connected some kind of way. God let there be something in my child that reminds them of home. Let them have some good memory of being in this household so that can draw him back in his time of need because that time of need will come. Amen. You know it will come. I know it will come. The Bible knows it will come. So it will come. And so the enemy in this younger boy starts to plant seeds of dissatisfaction, which he does in all of us. Many times we can't even pinpoint or identify what we're dissatisfied with. Sometimes dissatisfaction is such a familiar spirit, we just make it a bed, put up a pillow down there, let it cozy up to us and get comfortable because we don't know any other way to live. Dissatisfaction is not a kingdom emotion, nor is it a kingdom destination. That is not a kingdom spot for anybody. God has never called anybody to be dissatisfied with their life. If you're dissatisfied, that's a place where you need to pray. If you're not satisfied with where you are, that's a place where you need to cultivate relationship with the Father, not disconnect and go someplace else. Because you know, I know, and the Bible knows you ain't ready. Amen? So if you're not ready, get back, get yourself to where you can be satisfied. God said, tell the Lord, I don't know what's inside of me, what's wrong inside of me, but you know. As long as God knows and you confess it to him and you treat it as a problem and not as a permanent condition, treat it as a temporary condition, something that must leave you. God, you said I would be satisfied, a long, satisfying life. God, you said I should have contentment, I should have peace, and I'm not peaceful. You're not peaceful because you listen to the devil. He's not a, he's not a religion of peace. Amen. 
You got me? Sometimes people get fall out with God because there's one promise he didn't bring them. And sometimes, you know, some people just, I call them calamity Jane type. Everything they touch messes up. You know, like, we prayed for that. What happened? You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes there's root things in people that cause them, you know, you can, we can pray the prayer of agreement and you can hold on for me, but faith has to let me let it into my life. If I don't let it into my life, it can be sitting outside my garage and I'm standing there looking at it like it don't belong to me. You understand? I mean, there are people like that. I prayed the prayer of agreement with many people and they walk off. I said, well, this is what God, that ain't what God told me he was going to do. I said, well, Satan, you ain't going to get it. <laughs> you ain't going to never get nothing from God. Huh? Jeez. And I realized they wouldn't re- recognize it if it parked right upside them. You know why? They don't know who they are. This is this young man's problem. He don't have a clue who he is. And if you got children running around wayward and crazy, it's because they don't know who they are. That needs to be your prayer. God, please let them wake up to who, let them know who they are, God. Please. That's a good prayer for everybody. Ephesians 1, 17, that they would walk in the hope of their calling. Know their inheritance in God. You got to know who you are before you can get anything from anybody. I woke up to the fact of what marriage really was. I mean, this was when I was a sinner. When my husband would apply for anything, they would put down wife's name. I said, "Uh uh-oh, it's getting ready to get good right now. See, when you find out your name is on everything somebody else has, you know who you are then. At least as long as he got something, I got something. Huh? If he can get it, I can get it. Huh? I mean, seriously. God will talk to you where you are. I didn't even know God then. And he was just a-talking to me. Huh? You know, we now cynical people say, yeah, but you got his debts too. We didn't have no debts. Oh, I married a good working husband. We didn't have no debts. to my chagrin. <laughs> you know, but I learned to live with it. Hey, whatever's his is mine. You know, I'm in there now. Huh? But you must know who you are. You wake up in the pig pen, you got to know you don't belong there. Huh? The Bible says that young man came to himself one day. In the depths of having nothing, he realized who he was. Listen, if the palace won't convince you, the pit will. Huh? You wake up one day and you realize, I don't belong here. I know I don't now. Huh? <laughs> I've thrown away most stuff than these people down here have. I don't belong here. Huh? 
You know, I've seen children, you know, Christian kids, who go somewhere and, and live in the worst conditions, trying to get away from they don't know what. Just obeying the devil. They're listening to him full time, you know. Well, I'd be glad when I get it. Well, I ain't never going back home. I said, ooh, never's a long time, darling. <laughs> I ain't never going I ain't going to never tell do it. My parents tell me. I ain't going to do everything nobody tell me. Oh. They put the nine digits down there instead of a name for you. In an orange jumpsuit. Huh? And you don't even look good in orange. That's a hard color to look good in. I didn't try it. You know, some people can, some people can't. Uh-huh. All them ever nevers and huh? Oh, you'd have to tie me down to get me to get. Oh, really? That could be arranged too, huh? All this dare, dare, and double dare stuff. See that that shows poor training, and it's not any fault of anybody's. But it's the enemy makes, makes, he capitalizes on errors, mistakes, and misgivings. He capitalizes on what he puts into people's lives. Many times, people have struggles in life. We can't get over our struggles. We have to go through them. You know, and if you take good notes on the struggles in life, you'll find a way not to make those when you get in charge of your own life, if you're taking good notes. Good notes are like this. You know, I, I don't like the situation. Now, we grew up with with pockets of poverty because my dad was an alcoholic. He had a drinking problem. When I got older, I'd look for a man who worked all the time. Wasn't none of this, you, baby, what you do? I don't do nothing. I do my nails. <laughs> I have no skills. I do pretty. I do cute. You know, that's all I do. What else you need? Now, I cook. That comes with the package. That comes with pretty cute. I look good. Give me an apron and see what you I see how I look. And that's all. You don't promise nobody. I said, listen, I said them vows. You know, me and you, you and me. I ain't going to never leave you. I ain't going nowhere. But I ain't going to take care of you. Not working and taking care. I'm not going to do it. Because that's your job. Lest we fall into the curse. The man who would not take care of his own household is worse than another. Poppy, am I right or am I wrong? That's what he's talking about. I know it's my Bible. Huh? No, no, no. You don't get no free pass up in here, brother. You might start sitting down at home and liking it. Because there's too many out there that do. Huh? I'm talking.
talking real life now. I'm going to promise I don't. Listen, my Bible says don't say next year this time I'll do so and so and next year. I can't promise you all of that. You know, you're going to get 65 sitting up here and I'm still. I'm No, I can't promise you all that. I will promise you this. The house will be clean. I ain't going to say who cleaned it either. Now, if you can do pretty and do laundry, good. I I can do that. See, I do all of them things. But I don't take care of no household. My back might go. <laughs> I mean, I'm healed. But I might have a temporary setback. You know, just don't count on me, brother. You go out there and you do you. Huh? Spike the ball. Huh? Yeah. All right. You know, too many women out here looking rough. No, seriously, no wonder. I don't want to go here. I really don't want to go here. But it's too many men out here sexually confused. You got women looking like men. Acting like men. No, 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 no. I'm here to keep the world straightened out about whoever. I'm here to help your identity, okay? Now, I realize sometimes things happen in families women do have to, you know, undertake. But, you know, you praying for them to be healed. I mean, he better be in the bed sick if you're going to do that. Huh? True, true. And every night you better lay hands on him. Get on up. (laughs) Read this with me. Take up thy bed and walk. Huh? (laughs) You know, people fall out with God because there's one thing that they don't have in life that they desperately want. One thing. They'll fall out with God over one thing. Why? Because they don't understand who he is. See, God didn't tell you to build your life in him around one promise. He told you to build your life around him, in him, around everyday life. There's an everyday life that God has given us to live where he wants to be extremely involved in that and not just you sitting up moping, moaning, whining because of one thing that you're waiting on him to bring you that you haven't gotten yet. He died for you to live every day. Amen. Don't be like Haman. Haman had everything. He was second in the kingdom to King Ahasuerus. And he wasn't satisfied because there was one man that came through that gate that refused to bow to him. And he lost his life because he wanted one thing that he couldn't have. God's not telling you you can't have these things. He's telling you it's not time. Why is it not time, God? See, we never ask that. Because we're scared of the answer. 
we're scared we're not mature enough, we're not ready enough, huh? And we even indict ourselves in a way. We just, God, what do I need to do? You don't need to do nothing but leave him alone and let him work on you, huh? Just let all your little nonsense go and all your false ideas about who God is and who you are to him and start picking up truth. God wants us all to live in truth. Many times we're only looking at one aspect of our lives in God and not our life from day to day. See, it's your day to day that keeps you dissatisfied. It's your every day what you do in God that keeps you looking for something else, something better. This is wrong with this. This is wrong with that. There's always going to be wrong, something wrong with something as long as you're looking at it. you let God show you what's important in your life show you the things that he's doing for you show you the things seen and unseen that he's preparing for you that that comes with knowing who you are this young man had no idea of who he really was he connected his identity with what his father possessed so all he knew is he was a son who was one day going to come into some wealth and he had no idea who he was from day to day see if he was like the older brother the older brother was out in the field working learning how that 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 uh, farm worked learning how to keep provision coming in learning how to do these things if he had spent if the younger son had spent his time apprenticing himself to the older brother he would have had a much clearer understanding of who he was The other thing, too, is if you sow into something, you have a sense, a different sense of entitlement because you've invested in it. People who invest in things tend to value them more. You don't ever have to buy anything. You don't have to work for anything. Everything's handed to you. Huh? You don't have a sense of what that costs anybody. So don't look at just one aspect of your life. Don't have some biggie, some big promise in your life that if you don't get it, you're going to fall out with God. Make up your mind you're going to stay with God no matter what happens. God, I don't have to have nothing but you, you know, and mean it. <laughs> once you mean it, once you say it and mean it, you'll be that'll be the best decision you make ever in your life. God saved us for fellowship with him. The son was estranged from his father in vision, in character, and in intent. So when God fellowships with us, we have to agree with him in vision, in character, and intent. The son only saw what the father possessed, not who he was. So God is telling me to tell you it's time to see who God is, not what he can give you. Huh? You got to see who God is. You can change circumstances and think you're happy for a season. But if you don't have a really understanding of who you are and a right vision in God, you're going to be in the same boat again. You're going to be dissatisfied. You're going to be upset. You're going to be always looking to make some kind of change so that you can feel better about yourself, about everybody else around you. 
verse 12 the younger son was impatient for things he wanted to cash in on his dream now he didn't want to wait for the father's time to release it to him his identity was flawed he diminished the importance of his own inheritance why because he diminished who was giving it to him when we don't really have an accurate picture of God we don't really have an accurate picture of who God is and who we are to him then we'll miss 100% what God had for us I remember going to a meeting one time and, and feeling uh, and this was early in my walk with God thank God it wasn't recently but you know if it happens recently hey we deal with it but I was feeling like out of place around other Christians and it's the devil he's always comparing yourself with somebody else and sister sister Gula Gula you know she could pray real deep she's so this that and the other and so uh, somebody was ministering there and they had an altar call and God told me to come go up and get prayer and this one lady that I knew from a, a Bible study that I was in she came and stood in front of me she said Barb hi she said oh I gotta pray for you and so so I was telling her what I felt and she started crying she said you are so sweet she said do you know you're accepted in the beloved of God and I'm going never read it nowhere you know I mean you know you're green you don't know your bible you know that kind of stuff and I took that home and I meditated on it huh it had to be God for her to call me sweet. You know, most people don't usually say that about me. <laughs> you don't happen to know my fluffy side. <laughs> Could be sweet. But you, <coughs> but, but you know, God knows how to say the right things to entreat you so that he can impart his wisdom and his knowledge to you. And I told the Lord, I said, God, I am not going to leave this page of the Bible until I 100% believe that. See, we need to study instead of skimming through stuff. Instead of looking for the next prophecy, meditate on the one that you got the last time you came up for another prophecy because you felt, you understand what I'm saying? Start focusing on the things that are important for you. And I began to understand how important identity is in receiving your inheritance. Because if you don't know who you are, you don't know what you're entitled to. The first thing you do when you go to the bank, and this is your bank account. If you go up to that desk, the first thing they do is show, say, show me some ID. Huh? You do better at the ATM and going to a teller. They want to frisk you. You think, uh uh-uh, I ain't coming in here no more unless I just really have to. But that's the first thing the law will do. Before you can cash in anything, before you can be entitled to anything, you have to prove who you are. Uh As a child of God, you have to prove who you are. You gotta prove that to yourself. Every day. You gotta act different. You gotta talk different. You gotta look different. You, 
<laughs> I know y'all looking at me like, oh, who's talking? But you understand, I'm a lot nicer than I used to be. A lot holier than I used to be. A lot smarter in God than I used to be. Huh? The anointing makes you prophets and stuff like that, you know. That's the part that people get scared of. Be scared, I don't care. I am who I am because of the grace of God. Amen. You can't change who you are. I wish I could change some of y'all too. But that's the world we live in. You understand what I'm saying? We love and and respect one another for who we are. Amen. So this younger son, instead of focusing on the right thing, was always focused on the wrong thing. One little thing that they feel they must have. And you know, in God's mercy, he'll keep that thing from you. You'll be forever dissatisfied because he'll show you he's God. Amen. He will. You know, I don't care how much you beg. Then we get involved. We think we get smarter than God. We start learning a little bit about the Bible, not really the Bible, but the little spiritual laws. You know, we want to sow. Oh, I'm going to confess the word. That's how I'm going to get, I'm going to get me something. Confess the word. Like God don't have to give it to you based on your confession. See, he's still the administrator of all things. You don't just start confessing the word and it just walks into your life. Jesus ministers. He is the high priest over our confession. Huh? You know, we used to say glib things like speak it into existence. And God told me, he said, don't you ever tell anybody that. I said, I won't. And then he finally explained it to me. He said, as long as there is a priest in heaven who ministers over your life, you don't speak nothing into nowhere. And then he showed me, in fact, some of the crazy stuff y'all talk don't happen because I'm ministering over. I'm grabbing your crazy words so they don't happen. You need a priest to protect you against yourself. You know, the authority parents have over their children. You have to watch what you say over them. Don't have God up there retrieving your words 24-7 where you feeling bad about something else in your life and you speak it on your child. He has to retrieve a lot of crazy evil things. Y'all ain't going to never amount to nothing. I heard my oldest sister's mother-in-law say that over her children. Huh? And you have to watch it because now you got grandchildren showing up. Huh? Y'all ain't never amount to nothing because I ain't nothing. And they didn't. And she wasn't. Till later on in her life she got saved. I was so happy for her I didn't know what to do. It broke my heart. You know she came over and sat with my dad when my mother passed away. Just like the old women in the Baptist church. And she was in the kitchen there for anything anybody wanted. And I told her, I said, I said, you're a good girl. And she said, yeah, she said, your daddy told me that. I said, yeah, I heard him say that about you. 
and she was just happy and content. I think she lived when did Ira pass away? She's in her nineties. What? Not two couple years ago. Yeah. Totally changed. Totally changed. But look at the she buried her son. The one she said would never amount to anything. You know, the devil likes to hurt people with long life sometimes. But think of what God brought to her in her life after her older years. But see, we don't have to live like that. We can build ours up. You can speak the word over your family members. You can speak the word over your children. Amen? You don't have to do that. There's some some people in families that have great power in their words to bless and curse. You know, they're, they're gifted people. You find them in families and they'll say those words and it stings. Mm-hmm. See, that's a power that works on those words. God has to retrieve them, pull people out of them. So don't think these words don't mean anything. You know the word of God. You speak the word over everything in your life. Amen. Bless everything and curse not. Mm-hmm. This young man went to a distant land in verse 13. Probably sat up there and said, I'm going to get so far away from y'all, y'all will never hear from me again. (laughs) See, these, uh, you know, these are inner vows. See, what God is trying to get us to do is vow within ourselves to serve him. Vow within ourselves. We live by the inner vow as well. When you're, when you're blood bought, you're under the oath of the Lord Jesus Christ and the promise of His Word. So when you start to study and meditate on the Word of God, you can make a vow within yourself to obey God no matter what. Because these inner vows tend to hold people into obedience to them. Huh? You watch, watch when you swear within yourself or swear to yourself certain things. I'll never do, I'm not going, huh? Most of your, your work is, is in families is releasing your family members from inner vows that they have made to never serve God. Huh? You hear some kids, I'm, I'm never going to get married and then they're up in their 60s somewhere. Now, they didn't even know what marriage was because they skipped the one part of it. Huh? <laughs> uh-huh. But they don't want to get married. Why is that? Why does that happen? How do people go from everybody wanting to get married, love somebody? Remember, the, well, I ain't going to tell you what year it was. Bunch of malingerers. All they want to do is bad on people about their age what's wrong with me huh but when i grew up you sang love songs to each other huh it wasn't about bitches and hoes and whatever you know i mean you turn on the radio you mean they're buying that now you can say that now and they pay money for it and the girls just like it and <laughs> go kick it with my man. 
Will he mess up? I kick him out. All this strife. I mean, who wants that for a life? Huh? When I was growing up, it was my girl. And you didn't talk about what y'all did together. You just, you just love somebody. It's no wonder these young people don't want to get married. It's, I mean, where are they going to learn the right way to desire something that's good for them? Huh? See, the devil will rob you of the covenant that secures your life that way. But then your, your biology will tell you, you want to have kids. You want to, you want to do this. You want to do that. And then you wind up, you over here, the daddy over here, and the kids in the middle of somewhere. And no, nobody ever encouraged you to want a permanent commitment from anybody. Even the church. We don't halfway do our job right. Trying to make people who have sinned feel good. Now, I'm not for beating people up for they sin, but stop it. You wouldn't get beat up if you'd live right. Best beating you ever get is the one that gets you out of sin. It's worth it. Jesus took a beating to get us out of sin. We shouldn't mind taking one to get out too. But here this young man is. He went to a distant land. He wanted to go so far away he didn't run into his daddy, his brother. Oh, big oh, brother, he think he all that. I'm getting away from him too. Cousins, he got to a place so far away, nobody, he didn't run into nobody he knew. You run away from God, and I guarantee you, there will not be a kind face, a friendly face, a friendly word, a kind word. Huh? Everybody you run into wants something from you. That's what happened to him. Doesn't it say he he wasted all and didn't take long? That money he got from his dad? Poor little thing. He didn't even know what he had coming. He just took it. He's just glad to get anything. Took it and ran off with it. Thought he had a lot of money. Junior, nobody taught you how to count yet. You don't even know how much money you got. So he gets out there with some crooks and they take it from him. They say, give me that money you got, Junior. That ain't but 10 cent. It's $10. When I get my money, I'm going to get away from here as far as I can. He sure did. Didn't know he crossed a state line. Got into a state with number famine. Huh? Listen, I know people that's happened to me, to them. They say, well, you know, Pastor Barb, I just want to confess. Oh, boy, here it comes. Somebody ain't got enough guts to read their Bible and repent. Don't confess to me. Huh? <laughs> I mean, it's all right. I, you know, you hear it. I, I was thinking of leaving the ministry. Really? But then God showed me. Uh-huh. 
He showed them impending famine. I stayed at the right time, didn't I? I said, mm-hmm. Go and sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. Huh? Next time you ain't going to be able to stay. You keep this up. Huh? You don't respect people that God's put in your life to help you. Come on now. I mean, my dog follows me everywhere I go. Why? Because she got fed the last time. <laughs> last time she pushed me up against a corner, I gave her something to eat. Pets have more sense than people. Huh? They lick your hand. They could bite and tear it off, but they don't. Huh? Sure. Listen, I bought you your first dress that fits you nice. Huh? <laughs> I could go there. You understand what I'm saying? Yours cost more than mine. And God told me to do it. And I obeyed him. Knowing what you were plotting in your heart. Amen. Get on away from me, Judas. I got, I got some praying to do. Thinking about crazy people. Huh? I love y'all, but y'all crazy sometimes. Some people are just crazy because they want to be. I mean, come on now. You open your Bible once a year at least. Open it on Christmas or Easter. <laughs> That's what they call them, poinsettias and, and Easter, Easter lilies. They come to church twice a year. Huh? This young man had no clue where he was going. Not in the natural or in the spiritual. No idea who he was. He was totally clueless. Living for things. Huh? Constantly living for things. The Bible says without a vision, people cast off all restraint. That's what happened to him. He didn't see himself in his father's house doing great things. He didn't see himself in his father's house with the role that God had prepared for him. He never saw that. Therefore, he didn't know who he he was. But God's about to show him. Sometimes you do have to experience things you don't need to. It's amazing. People can tolerate (coughs) a lot of real discomfort and think they're happy. I'm doing good. (coughs) You don't look good. When you're doing good, it needs to show on your countenance. (laughs) Had no idea who he was, where he was going, or how to prepare for the future. So he's totally disconnected and unprepared. He's longing to be someplace and somebody else. Worst thing in the world you could do is want to be somebody else. And most people don't even know who they are. And you're trying to be like them. Huh? Now you look at these entertainers. They just, they reinvented themselves. 
No, everybody got sick of who they were, and they wouldn't pay somebody to go and give them a remake and a redo. Excuse me. There haven't been many people who have been successful at that. You've got to have some real talent to pull that off. Elvis Presley had been out of the entertainment, entertaining for like 10 years. And so his uh, his manager, Colonel, what's his name? I forget his name, Parker, his name. He was brainstorming with some people, and they said, well, can we get a gig here? No, they don't want us. Can we get a The only place they could get a gig was Hawaii. So he trimmed down, bought him that one-piece jumpsuit, huh, and made his comeback, and everybody laughed at him, but the place was packed out. And he took off and toured, you know, that little pose down. Elvis has left the building. Oh, there came, you know, that was his remake and his redo. And he went out in his career on top because he knew who he was. He said, that place didn't make me, I made me. And if I have to make me again, I'll make me again. They always had a place at his show where they would sing. They would sing, everybody bow your heads. Thank you very much. Everybody bow your heads. And they would sing that, that song. Benny Hinn sings it. Um, the Spirit of God is it not, not surely the Spirit of God. It's that other one. Without a doubt, we know that we have been revived. When we come in this place, that one, the old gospel one. His singers would warm up with him singing gospel music. Because they could get the right tones out of their voice. That was the best music to practice to. And he would always have a moment of silence right in the middle of his, he didn't care where the concert was. Huh? Las Vegas, he don't care. We going to sing for God right now. Everybody by your heads. And, huh? and they obey. You didn't see one protester in there, one person trying to kill all the Christians. You didn't see nothing like that. They respected the presence of God. Amen. So you can know who you are in a way that it can never be taken away from you. That's what this man, young man did not know. He had no idea who he was until he hit total rock bottom. And the Bible says when he came to himself, he began to liken himself in the right way. Verse 17, when he came to himself, this is what he said. How many of my father's hired servants have enough bread to eat and to spare and I'm hungry? He begins to see himself equal with a servant. That should have been his first identity. That's where his brother identified right now as a servant. Not a ruler, not a king, not an heir, but a servant. That's where we all start out as believers. The scripture that, that the one says that we think it says we are no longer servants means not merely servants. We're always serving. If Jesus is serving now, we're serving too. But we're sons. 
So until you are trained as a servant, you don't get an inheritance. You don't get sonship. But you know you're in line for it. That's your next step. That's your vision. To be after I've learned how to serve, then I'm entitled to my inheritance. That's when I have sonship. He had no clue who he was. He didn't know how to prepare for the future. People who are, I feel bad sometimes for people called to ministry. They don't realize you can go out and share your testimony and you're a minister right there. They're sitting on the edge of their seat trying to wait for the pastor to die so they can get it. Listen, if I die, I'm, I'm taking y'all with me. So yes. <laughs> and Bridget said, <laughs> no, I'm not going, not going. <laughs> now you don't have to go. But you understand what I'm saying. Amen. You don't get nothing by waiting on somebody to die. Too many people do that and wound up with nothing. Disappointed. They put you on the front row. Oh, brother, we want you to be a deacon. We want you to be an elder. And they put you on the front row. And you And the pastor says, well, I got high blood pressure. And they go, oh, yes. Take him now, God. I'm praying in tongues. You don't pray in tongues. It's a Baptist church. Everybody's on waiting on some demise. Listen, nobody has to die for you to get anything from God. You better pray everybody lives. Because that'll be your resurrection. You're going to need that resurrection prayer one day for yourself. Uh (laughs) But this little prodigal boy, it describes a lot of people. Forever. Some of them live like that forever. Always disgruntled. Never like anything. Oh yeah, I went to that church over there. I said, ooh boy, let me get, let me keep it moving here. Huh? They never like anything. They won't allow themselves to be happy. They won't allow themselves to be content. Cause they're afraid they won't wake up the next day. I get too happy, I'm gonna leave out of here. Y'all ain't been to no crazy churches. I've been in a lot of crazy churches. They tell you anything. You get too holy. They like the Sunday morning mortars bench because they know everybody been out kicking it on Saturday night. Oh, y'all come on up here and get saved again. We'll pray for you. Pray on food. Go back and do the same things next Saturday night. Huh? You get too right, get right, church. Let's go. <laughs> get right, and let's go win some souls for Christ. Amen. You get right enough, we'll have more power to win some, win the loss to the Lord. Okay. So this young man lived a disconnected life, going through the motions of being a Christian. Going through the motions of living God. And all the while waiting to see if God's really going to do this. He's really going to do this. 
whether he really gone in my life or not, I can go to heaven a blessed and happy and prosperous person. Not because of what I'm going to leave here, but what I'm going to take with me. I take everything that's important with me. The spirit of peace, love and joy, righteousness and the Holy Spirit. I get to take that with me. Huh? And that's what you live for. That should keep you going every single day. That you can get up and say, I love you, Jesus. And he says, I love you back. And throughout the day, he proves his love to you over and over and over. And he don't have to. Huh? You live for relationship. You don't live for things. Huh? You know, when, when I was married, my husband, every now and then he would announce, well, he, we didn't call it date night. That's what, you know, the world puts, makes a big deal out of nothing. You know what date night was? Baby, come on, let's go out to eat. I don't want you cooking tonight. Huh? You just passed out. You didn't do it all the time. But as the head of the house, he would announce, I get a walk tonight. I don't have to perp walk. I get free. No keys, no nothing. And and that became a blessing, but where I lived was every day with him. Because if he wasn't in a good mood all day long, day was not good. And same thing with me. So I wasn't married for the here and there, let's go out and have a break. The things, I was married to him every day. See? Every day. Arm wrestling. <laughs> no. <laughs> ah, shut up. Wake up. You know, grow up. Praise God. But that's why we're, we're wedded to Christ. We love him every day. He loves us every day. He wants to show us that every day. He wants us to worship him every day. Not because he needs it. We need it. It's like, he's like, y'all take a break. Come on up here where I am. Let's, let's do something different with your day to day. Don't forget to worship God. Many people who are single want to be married. Married people want to be single. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Bees like that sometimes. Oh, I got lost. I forgot. There's husband and children here. Uh-huh. Get lost. People who always want to be something else, somebody else, will at one point experience difficulty if they move into that dream. You disconnect. That's what the devil wants. He wants you to disconnect from God so he can have a good time with you. The only thing that's stopping him is you refuse to just let go. The day you let go is the day you start to pay. And that's what he wants. He wants everybody to experience that because he doesn't intend to let you find the way back. What saved this young man was a praying father. Was a father that had wisdom. The father that maybe wrestled with him about this before. And one day God told him, let him go. But believe me that he's coming back. 
You don't ever let them go. You understand? Don't get offended because your children don't want to leave home the right way or let you prepare them. Some of them need a little more preparation than others. You understand? Then some of them need just get kicked out because they're ready. But you as a parent, God will let you know which is which for which one. And so when God decides that, that it's time to let them go, always carry in your heart the vision of them having relationship with God the Father. Having a respectful relationship. Being able to pray for their own needs. Being able to respect God in a way that God deserves to be respected and not taken for granted. Ask God to enlighten the eyes of their understanding. Let them know what the real world is like, God. And let them hate it. And let them come back to where you know they're supposed to be. Amen. He gets to the pig pen and starts begging for a job. Him who said he would never work. You understand what I'm saying? Ask God just to tighten things up. Bring them to a point of decision, Lord. Let them get to a point where they decide for you. Not stay out there. So it's in his poverty is where he gains his identity. Amen. The Bible says when he was broke, couldn't feed himself, he came to himself. He finally realized who he was. I am a Christian after all. The devil made me compare myself with the other people in the church all those years, and I always came up short. Now I realize I really do love God, and he loves me, and he has a good plan for my life. Amen? That's where, Amen. That's where we want to be. That's where we want to be. We want the right identity, doing the right thing at the right time. How much time do I have? Oh, okay. I'm going to read you this little thing. I found this. I stole. I stole. Well, you know, I preached that before, but I, you know, I stole this. Craig Hagan, you know his testimony. So uh, he says, in the story of the prodigal son, the pig pen was about as bad as it could get. The Jews, whom Jesus told this story to, would have understood this. In their culture, the pig is an unclean animal. It's not fit to eat. So the prodigal son was working with them as a professional pig feeder. To make matters worse, he was hungry, so hungry that even the pig's food looked appetizing. I don't know about you, but I would not want to eat what pigs eat. However, he had no other options. He was out of money. Thankfully, while the prodigal son was wallowing in the mud, something happened. Luke 15:7 says he came to himself. He remembered how good his father was even to the servants. At that moment, he realized he would rather go home and become a servant than stay with the pigs and starve. Pray that happens, amen. Stop wallowing in the pig pen. Although the prodigal son came to himself, many people do not. Or they take an extremely long time to do so. I know people who were once on fire for God but are now wallowing in the pig pen and have been for decades. They're not not only doing what's need they're not doing on, they're doing only what's needed to get by. Many are so used to living with pigs that it's not even a big deal to them anymore. I'm talking about people with the call of God on their lives. They let resentment, wrong belief into their hearts and it changed their destiny. See, the Bible tells us 
to if if you have something against anybody, you got to confess that to God. You don't sit up and nurse your anger at somebody like you're important. It'll take you down. It's not going to hurt that person you're mad at, but it'll sure take you down. And he says, stop in jail. Others are atheists and want nothing to do with God. They are in the pig pen. I know other people who look like a million bucks on the outside, but inside they're hurting like crazy. They are in the mud mentally. They have rededicated their lives to God, but they have banished themselves to the pig pen. They think they don't deserve anything better because of what they did in the past. You know, the devil will beat you up with that. You know, if if that's where you're at or you know somebody there, First uh, John, if he's faithful and just, if we confess our sins, you got to stay in that scripture until you really believe it because the devil will beat you up with insecurity, condemnation. You don't feel good around people. Oh, that's, that's not for Christians. You're blood-bought, but you got to know it, and it takes work to know it. The truth is Christianity is not about what we deserve. If it were, we would be dead of all of our sins. We see in Ephesians 2, 4, and 5 that we that together with Christ, God made us alive. Jesus took our punishment, what we really deserved, and gave us his love, joy, health, and peace. We've all been in pig pen situations, but we don't have to stay there. We can get out. God is able and willing to take us out of whatever we put ourselves into, and I don't care how bad it seems. God has provided a way for us. Someone may say, I've messed up my life so badly it can't get any better. God doesn't want me. Stop listening to the devil's lies. The reason your life is a mess is that the devil is out to destroy you. He wants to steal your life from you. He wants you to think you deserve to stay in the pig pen for the rest of your days. He may even try to tell you to end your life, that your life is worthless. Life is not worthless. It can sometimes feel as if you're in a situation where you can't get back up. You may feel as though you're too far from God and no one can help you. However, the Bible said God loves you unconditionally. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Now, it is possible for you to separate yourself from the Lord because you feel unworthy. Have you ever said or thought, this is what I deserve? God is doing this to punish me? That is mud pit mentality. That kind of thinking keeps you away from God and wallowing in the mud with pigs. The truth is, your Heavenly Father is always there for you. He isn't trying to punish you. No matter what you've done, even if you have a long laundry list of sins, you can come boldly to his throne knowing he won't reject you. After all, that's why Jesus came. God never stopped loving the world even though he wouldn't, it wouldn't accept him, and he has never stopped loving you. We see the unconditional love God has for us in the story of the prodigal son. When he began his journey back home, the young man thought he would become a servant. After all, he had disowned his father and his entire family. But the father ran to his son when he saw him. He didn't even give him the position of a servant. He reinstated him as a son. 
Our Father God is the same way. When we come back to him or when we finally give all our issues to him, he runs to meet us. He says, I am glad you're back. You're not going to live as a servant. You're going to live as a son or a daughter. That's nothing like coming back. There's nothing like coming back to our Father. We've all had pig pen experiences where everything goes wrong and nothing seems right. But when we come back to him, he welcomes us with open arms. Amen. So God has a place for all of us, folks, and it's always been there. Problem is the devil can keep us from if he can keep you from seeing it, he can keep you from having it. And so the the thing that you want to do is always stay right with God. You ever hear people say things like, if there's some between you and God, get it right. That's what they mean. Confess it. So that you can know the forgiveness of God and know that you are reinstated. Amen? All right. Why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding that comes with your holy word. We give you all glory, Lord, and give you all praise and honor. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for giving us your son. Ah. The inheritance. He is everything. So we thank you for Jesus, Lord. Amen and praise God. Amen. If anybody needs prayer, come on up.